Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we talked about when God says no. Join us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as we open God's Word. You know, what's interesting to me is if, if we look in Scripture, you know, uh, you think about different passages of Scripture. In fact, even in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, in Matthew chapter 7, 7, the Bible begins with our Lord saying, Ask and it shall be given to you. You think about Isaiah 65, even go further back into the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 65, in verse 24, the Bible says, It shall come to pass that before they call, see the Lord says, even before they call, He says, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And so there's indications from Scripture that when you and I call upon the name of the Lord, He answers. In fact, even in the midst of our sinfulness, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the Lord, name of the Lord shall be saved. God wants to answer prayer. God does answer prayer. A lot of times we, we stop praying uh, in the midst of life because uh, we have all experienced times when we've prayed or when we've called out on the name of the Lord for the Lord to help us or, or maybe we've just asked Him, Hey Lord, like I did on Friday, Lord, would you just, could you just intervene in this situation in some way? Could you help me out today, Lord? I mean, Lord, I'm sitting here, I'm serving you, I'm loving you, I'm in your word, I'm praying to you, which is what your word tells me to do. Lord, I need you. And it's in that moment. Anybody ever heard crickets? Anybody ever felt like, like Daniel who prayed? And then 21 days later, the angel of the Lord was loose to go and tell Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, you'll have to read it for yourself. But the angel of the Lord comes to Daniel and he says, Hey, I'm loosed right now to let you know there is a war going on in the heavenlies. Amongst spiritual wickedness in your behalf. The Lord has loosed me to be able to let you know that the Lord has heard your prayer. But I know that there's times, just like Daniel had, and times just like I've had and you've had, that sometimes, whether it be a physical situation, spiritual, emotional, or otherwise, no matter what the situation is, there have been times where we may feel like, God, do you hear me? God, why won't you hear my prayer request? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you answering? By the way, you are not alone. As we'll see in Scripture, the psalmists, even David, a man who was after God's own heart, had this happen to him on occasion. I would imagine there have been times when each of us have felt like, for whatever reason, God didn't hear. Somehow he forgot or simply failed to respond and provide. I remember as a child, I was, telling my wife, I was trying to find a corny video to show you on Friday. I remember as a child, uh, I would make a list for Santa Claus. You know, anybody ever been there, done that? You're lying if you say you didn't. I don't believe in Santa Claus. Okay, Mr. Scrooge. Uh, this message is not whether Santa Claus is real or not. I'm not here to ruin any child's hopes. But I remember as a child, I'd make a list for Santa Claus. You remember that guy had an uncanny ability to show up at my shopping mall at the same time he showed up at my cousin's shopping mall down in North Carolina. It's kind of crazy. I mean, this guy... You know, you start to think, man, Santa Claus is pretty good. He's able to make his way around. Well, then, here's what happens sometimes. I'd make a list for Santa Claus, and the thing that I wished for, the thing that I hoped for, you know, 
it wasn't always necessary under the Christmas tree. Or to let's be even more specific, sometimes I'd ask Santa Claus for something and he would give it, but it was the wrong brand. Anybody ever done that? Uh, now, uh, Santa, you made a mistake. The little elves at the North Pole made a mistake. You know, uh, it's in those times that I started to question the reality of Santa Claus. You know, I believe that we do the same thing with God. Think about it. You see, sometimes I believe we ask God for something. We say, God, I need you to do X, Y, or Z. And then when X, Y, or Z turn into, you know, something else, we say, God, you must have made a mistake. You, you obviously did not hear me. Obviously, you are hard of hearing up there in heaven. I can assure you God is not hard of hearing. He is not slack concerning his promises, as 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us. He hears us, and he hears us even before we ask him, as Isaiah says. You know, Paul was an example. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was an example of someone who God had used over and over again to accomplish great things. And yet Paul, the Apostle Paul, also experienced God saying no to him. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, it's so familiar, I'm afraid that we do it in injustice many times. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how spiritual I am, it doesn't matter how spiritual we are as a body or you as individuals are, there are times when inevitably God may hear our prayer request and He may give an answer of resounding no. Do I believe God hears our prayers and answers our prayers? I believe He answers every prayer. Sometimes His answer is yes. Sometimes His answer is let's hold on. It's not my timing, it's not, and my timing is perfect, so let's hold on to that thought. I also believe that in the midst of answering no, he provides us with the wisdom to understand why he says no. I also believe that God answers with, maybe you've got your eyes on the wrong things. You know, James says, you have not because you ask not, and many times we have not and we, because we ask not, but then not, there are also times that we ask amiss, amiss, because we want to consume it upon our own lust. And so let's unite our hearts this morning and look at our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse number 7, and what you need to understand is in chapter 11, from about verses 23 on and even a little before there, Paul is giving a whole list of things that he has suffered uh, for the cause of Christ. And so then we get over here to chapter 12, and uh, in verse number 7 he says, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure..." Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. In, those last, in that last verse there where he talks about infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, that's all those things that were chronicled over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so Paul is looking at these things and he's saying, I understand why these things have taken place. 
But you know what? Someone who was used by God to do so many great things, I would imagine he was just like you or me. He could become bitter very quickly. I'm afraid that many of us have a tendency to become bitter at God when things don't work out the way that we want them to work out. And thus we stop trusting in God. We stop uh, living for God. We stop praying to God. We stop having an influence on those that are around us. And so I want you to notice some things that I believe that we can remember in the midst of the times when God says no. First of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to know that we can all remember that trials are actually a gift from God. Whoa. I know someone of you sitting here, and certainly we are praying, Randy and Shauna, we are praying for you like no, nobody's business. And as you have your scan, we are continuing to pray for you. I'm so thankful for what the Lord's done through you, even through this time, and how He continues to use you. But you know what? Yeah, praise the Lord for His goodness and His mercy and giving them understanding for this time in their lives. But you know what? It's very difficult, especially from their perspective, to look at the trial and this testing of their faith as a gift. But I believe that we can look at all trials as a gift from God. Notice what the beginning of, of verse, number, or verse number 7 says. Notice the phrase there in verse number 7. This phrase that says, There was given to me. Paul recognized that it was not something that he had done. No, he was not accident prone. We were talking about that. He was not accident prone. He says, this was given to me. And he understood that it was a gift. Obviously, the Lord felt like Paul needed the gift. You say, well, why would the Lord, Paul, his chosen uh, vessel during the time, the Lord is speaking through him and using him, and he is going here, he is going there, and people are being saved and added uh, to the kingdom uh, such as should be saved. Why would he do this? I have to confess to you. I do not know. But obviously, the Lord felt like Paul needed this gift. A lot of people say, well, what was the thorn in Paul's flesh? You know, a lot of people have pontificated and come up with suggestions. What, what was this, this thorn that was in Paul's flesh? And here's the thing. It was either some form of spiritual uh, suffering or some form of physical suffering. I would assert that it was some form of physical suffering. And the only reason I would do that is because I compare Scripture with Scripture. If I look in chapter 11, I see physical suffering, physical suffering, physical suffering, physical suffering over and over. I don't see the spiritual suffering of Satan's attack or the opposition of men. And even when we get to this passage... The Apostle Paul, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. He speaks of something fleshly, something that is attacking his strength, his weakness, or his infirmities. And so I believe the best guess would be to say that he had some type of physical suffering. I have always joked with my wife, and many of you know that in the years past, I've struggled uh, with diverticulitis, which is just another blessing from God. Uh, and colitis, and I've had surgery, uh, and uh, you guys are laughing at me, (laughs) you know, trials are a gift, guys, and the Lord has brought me through all that, and, and, you know, I even had my uh, modeling career ruined with that, that, uh, you know, that, that incision on on my, my eight-pack abs, you know, (laughs) and uh, don't be jealous, guys, don't be jealous, Uh, 
But I've always joked that it was diverticulitis whenever we read this passage. I said, Paul must have had a, di- must have had a real bad bout of diverticulitis. Well, the reality is, no matter what Paul's thorn was, it was being used by God, and it was being used by God to remind the Apostle Paul that he was no better than anyone else. I got news for you. I was reminded on Friday when that boulder came out of the lawnmower, hey, you're no better than anybody else. I'm in charge, and you need my strength. You need my wisdom. You need my protection. You need my provision in your life. And so I started to call out on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, please send somebody. As I screamed for Casey, I knew that he wouldn't be able to hear me up by the shim. And I started to scream. And cars are roaring by, roaring by. And I was screaming out. I was like, Lord, please send somebody. And he did. Just like the God he is. Listen, you know, there are times that we can treat trials in our life like a nuisance. Anybody ever looked at a trial and said, that's a pesky nuisance? Well, you see, the problem with nuisances are that we tend to ignore nuisances. Anybody ever had a runny nose and said, well, it'll go away? Hey, gentlemen, have you ever had pain in your left arm and you let it go and you let it go and the next thing you know you were flat on your back, you were having a heart attack? Because it was a nuisance. You had numbness in your left arm. The noise in the car. My wife, Chris Wachowski, just repaired uh, a problem somewhat. I mean, Chris did better than most. Uh, There's been a noise that has been prevalent in our minivan for years. and, And it's one of those noises that you just pray will go away. It's a nuisance. Bills that continue to come with great regularity. And some of us have a problem of not paying them. We we put them aside and say, I'll deal with that next month because they're a nuisance. I got news for you. They will send you another bill next month. Nuisances must be dealt with. Sometimes we look at trials not only as nuisances, but punishments to be endured. I'm just being punished for some reason. I must have said something, I must have done something, and so the Lord is punishing me. And so I'm just going to sit here, I'm going to grin and bear it. It'll be gone before long. Sometimes we, we don't look at trials or testings as a gift. We look at them as nuisances, punishment. Sometimes we look at trials as a problem that needs to be solved. The problem, though, with problems that need to be solved is we typically have a tendency to try to solve them on our own. Instead of calling upon the name of the Lord, we say, what can I do? What what treatment can I receive to take care of this problem? I don't want to bother God. He's so busy. Oh, we, we treat him as a problem to be solved or a battle to be fought. I want to remind you, as David said, when he went up against that great Goliath, he said, the battle is the Lord's. It's not your battle. We must not think that trials come into our lives because God wants us to fight some type of battle. Trials are gifts from God. And I can assure you, fighting against God in the midst of a battle will never work. You can go through Scripture and ask others how they fared. The reality is we can look at these trials as this, or we can look at them as a gift from God that is to be accepted. And, you know, I always say this, attitude is key when it comes to trials in our life. You know, in James chapter 1, verse number 2, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, folks, I'm not talking about a temptation of the flesh, of the world, or of the devil. No, those types of things lead to only one thing and one thing only, sin and grief. 
but afflictions and persecutions that come from the Lord for the sake of the gospel. Guys, we can take great joy knowing that in those times God is working in and through us to accomplish His plan, His purpose in our lives. What we fail to recognize is that many times when God says no, it's an absolute answer of love from God. You know, I remember we were on vacation and traffic was horrific on one of the highways, as happens many times. And we were trying to make our way from Memphis, Tennessee over to Myrtle Beach where we would celebrate our anniversary and we ran into some heavy traffic. And I'm not the most patient fellow when it comes to heavy traffic. And my wife reminded me, she said, thank you, Lord, for protecting us from whatever is up ahead at this point. You see, sometimes these trials and testings happen in our lives because God wants us to slow down. God says, hey, I want you to take a step back so that you might be able to see what I see because I want to use this thing that was given, as the Apostle Paul, this thing was given to me, this thorn was given to me. He says, I want to use this thing as a blessing, not a curse. And so when God says no, we need to remember that sometimes trials are gifts from God. Secondly, we need to remember what God has already said. Notice what verse 7 again says. Notice the beginning of the verse. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. You see, God had revealed an awful lot to the Apostle Paul. Would you agree? This is a man who was on the Damascus road. He was set out to murder believers. He was set out to persecute Christians. And God strikes him blind and takes him into the road which is called straight. And then he takes him out in the wilderness and he begins to reveal things to the Apostle Paul. And so God uses the Apostle Paul for his glory and for his honor. And so the abundance of revelations had been revealed to the Apostle Paul. Do you know that God has revealed his special revelation to you and I this morning? We are the recipients of his abundant revelation. And so when trials come into our life, we can not only look at them as something that might be a gift for us. I know Mark and Christina wouldn't say that. Just coming back from Africa, they experienced what many experience in food poisoning and Montezuma's revenge from Africa. Do you know that even in the midst of those times, we can celebrate based on what God has already said in His Word. Jared, we're not singing it this morning, but I was thinking the other day about the song Cornerstone. That song Cornerstone that's based on the song The Solid Rock. Here are some of the lyrics. They're so encouraging. In verse 2 of that, of that song, the lyrics say this. It says, When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone. Listen to this. It says, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Oh, what a beautiful song. What a beautiful reminder. Weak made strong through the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord. And the, and the verse and the chorus goes on and says, He's not only Lord, He is Lord of 
all. When the Lord says no, we can remember what God has already said. I told you earlier, the psalmists, they even questioned what God has already said. Turn with me to Psalm 77. I want you to see that here in just a second. But you know, David, a man who is after own God's heart, in Psalm 13, and I think they have that for you, if they'll show verses 1 and 2 on the screen, David, the psalmist, he says this, he says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Anybody else ever said that? God, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? But I want you to know very quickly, because David knew who God was, and he knew what God's word had promised before. Notice what he turns and says in verses 5 and 6 of that same psalm. He says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. How did he know about God's mercy? Because God's mercy had been uh, evident in his life before. God had shown mercy upon David time and time and time again. And he says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Notice in Psalm 77 where I had you turn. The psalmist Asaph, he says this. Read along with me. In verse 1 and following, he says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. A promise that God is listening. In verse number 2, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. Anybody ever complained? I've complained. I complained last night when I tried to move this silly leg of mine on two pillows. It's propped up. And just to move it an inch was excruciating. He says here, he says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. And then he says this, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made me diligent uh, search. Notice what he says, verse 7, 8, and 9. This is really neat. He says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, verse number 10, this is my infirmity but I will remember the years of thy right hand of the most high I will remember the works of the Lord surely I will remember the wonders of old I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings thy way O God is in the sanctuary who is so great a God as our God thou art God that doest wonders thou hast declared thy strength among the people listen God has said some marvelous things that you and I can hold on to in the midst of the storm. Listen as the song goes, my anchor holds within the veil. Oh, yours can hold within the veil too. Even in those times when we feel like God is silent. Even in those times when we hear God saying a resounding no. 
Even in those times when we hear God saying, you must suffer so that others might come to know my son. We can hold. Our anchor holds within the veil. Number three, we can remember this. That when trials come our way and God says no, we can remember just like uh, the, Apostle Paul did, uh, the Apostle Paul did to keep on praying. Keep on praying. Oh, listen, notice what the Bible says in verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Guys, from God's perspective, this trial or thorn may have been given as a gift. But from Paul's perspective, just like from my perspective on Friday night, this gift was a pain. And so the Apostle Paul prayed because he wanted relief. He wanted deliverance from this thorn in his flesh. It troubled him. It distracted him. It made him weak. It made him sick. Therefore, Paul's prayer was persistent and his plea was passionate. Notice in verse number 8 the word besought. If you do a study of that word, in the original Greek text, the word is parakaleo. And that word means to call near, to invite, to invoke by imploration, to beseech, or to call for the removal of something. Now here's what's really cool. If you'll go to Mark chapter 5, in verse number 23 of Mark chapter 5, and we'll be there in a second. I want to show verse 22 first. In verse number 23, it is the exact same word that the, that the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, used when he came and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he besought the Lord that he would come and heal his 12-year-old daughter. Some of you may remember that story. You remember he's already been dealing uh, with, the, uh, with the maniac of Gadara. The maniac of Gadara says, Lord, let me come with you. And he says, no, go back to your own town. Go tell people of the love that I have for you and the grace that's been given to you. You go tell people about me. And in the midst of this, here comes Jairus this ruler of the synagogue, and he falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, oh, listen, will you come heal my daughter? Notice what it says in verse 22. It says, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him. He parakaleoed him, if you please. He parakaleoed him greatly, saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and ye, she shall live. And if you know the rest of the story, on the way, the Lord says, good, let's go. And so he's on the way. And then there comes a woman who's been sick of the blood, with a blood issue for 12 years. You remember the story? Jesus is passing through, and this woman, she reaches out, and she touches the hem of the garment. And Jesus stops, because he immediately realizes that something has touched him, and have virtue of his of himself has gone out. And he says, who touched me? And he deals with this woman. And the rest of the story, he tells this woman, because of her faith, she has been made whole. Well, while that's happening, a messenger comes from Jairus' house. And the messenger says, forget about it. Don't bother him anymore. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master anymore? Time to give up, Jairus. Just come on home. She's no longer living. And in that moment, the Lord says, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. The rest of you stay here. I want you to see something. 
And the Lord takes Jairus and Peter, James, and John, and he goes into the house of Jairus. And when he gets there, the people are weeping and wailing and they're fretting because the girl has died. And he says, Why are you, what's wrong with you people? She's only sleeping. Can you imagine the looks that they gave the Lord? They're thinking, no, we gave up, it's over. And the rest of the story is that Jesus goes in, and I encourage you to read the rest of the story. He goes in and he answers Jairus' request. And he says a couple words to the damsel. And he says, arise. And then he tells the family, he says, don't tell anybody what's taking place here. He says, don't, don't share what's happened here. He said, just keep on living. Oh, how many of us have given up on God? Because the answer was no. We give up and we say, okay, well, I threw up a prayer that my brother would be saved. I prayed to God that he might do something in my marriage. I prayed that God would do something in my business. I prayed that God would do something in our church. And because I did not see it, I just give up. God must not want us to have that. I got news for you. God has said no to me over and over and over. But I can tell you, there have been times when God has said no at one point that he turns around and says, yes, my timing is perfect. Now is the appointed time. Go, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I'm getting a little fired up. My leg does not seem to hurt as bad when I preach God's word. You know, I think the Lord may be waiting on some of us to come to the point where, the, where Jairus was. You see, Jairus was to the point where Paul was to the point where he parakaleoed. He called near. He called out to God. He implored with God. He besought the Lord greatly. He said, God, I need you to intervene in my life. And I believe sometimes the Lord is waiting until we get to the point where we humble ourselves. You know, James chapter 4 is very clear. In verse number 6 where it says that God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Folks, the only time that we should ever quit praying is if and when God clearly gives an answer to that prayer. There have been people on our prayer list here at Battlefield Baptist Church for years and years and years. Family and friends, we've been praying for them to be saved. And I got news for you. Until we hear that they have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, we're going to keep praying for them. You say, well, God said no. Oh, no. Maybe He just wants us to keep praying. Maybe He's not pleased with how much we've been praying. Maybe He wants us to pray harder. We need to remember to keep praying. Number four, we need to listen up for God's answer. Because immediately after Paul says, look back in verse 8, Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and here's the Lord's answer. The Lord answers, and so we need to listen for God's answer. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Are you kidding me, Lord? Are you really kidding me? You're asking me to go from this town to this town. I can hardly manage it, Lord. I can't breathe. My lungs are, are without air. God says, I'll give you enough air to tell them about me. Lord, my feet are swollen. I have gout. I can't walk. Lord, my head is hurting. I can't think straight. Lord, I, I, my arm is numb. Whatever the case is. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And he tells the Apostle Paul to keep on trucking. 
I was uh, reading about uh, after 9-11, we're getting close to the 15th anniversary of 9-11. I was reading about how they had these special listening devices that were taken into ground zero and at the Pentagon as well. That they were these special devices that could hear people amidst the rubble who were crying out for help. They said that these devices were so, so, uh, so powerful that they could even hear heart beating. I can tell you I was at ground zero. I had the honor and the privilege of being a part of the first memorial service at ground zero. I had the honor and the privilege to produce the rededication of the Pentagon a year later. It was reported that these devices could hear heartbeats. There's so much going on. I'm thinking about Ground Zero because when I went there, trucks were trying to excavate and remove the rubble, and people were everywhere. There was so much noise going on. I'm thinking, amidst all of that noise, how could those devices work? How were they able to hear? And would they actually be able to hear what they needed to hear? You know, the same is true for us today. I believe that you and I face attacks from every angle. I believe that our lives are so filled with noise that sometimes we fail to adhere to what Psalm 46, verse number 10 says, when it says, be still and know that I am God. Some of the greatest times of learning in my life, and I would imagine your life as well, and even spiritual growth in my life, have been when God speaks to me through tears. He always does. There are times when I weep, and it's in those weeping moments that God says, I'm still with you. Be not dismayed. Fear not, I am with thee. Be, be not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. Oh, listen, we need to listen up for God's answer. And then in verse 9, we need to trust in God's power. As I close this message, I want you to look at verse 9. Because in verse number 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for thee. And then the statement continues on. Continues on. He says, For my strength. He's speaking of his strength, God's strength, is made perfect in weakness. This is a pretty, pretty simple concept. I believe that Paul really, and here's the, I think all of us do this. I think that Paul really felt like he could be more effective if God would remove that thorn in his flesh. You say, well, maybe it was a selfish prayer. I'm not going to debate you whether that was a selfish prayer, but I believe as someone who had this thorn in his flesh over and over Although I know that God, I believe God put it in his life as a gift, I believe that he probably felt like, hey, Lord, if you'll remove this, I can actually do more for you. Has anybody ever prayed that type of prayer? Lord, if you'll supply this need, I'll actually be able to give back more to you. Really? You see, because as our missionary reminded us this morning, if we're not serving the Lord now, don't expect the Lord to call us into greater service. You see, it's pretty important what we do now. Not that we ask God to do something that we're not willing to do now and expect Him to perform a miracle. Listen, I believe Paul really felt like he could be more effective. But God evidently wanted Paul 
to be in that position that would require him to be more reliant on God. And when Paul was more reliant on God, I can assure you that it brought God more honor and more glory. We need to remember, folks, that we are not self-sufficient. If we were, we would have no need to be here this morning. We would have no need of a Savior. We uh, need to remember Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. He is our power source, if you please. We must remain plugged in to Him at all times. Oddly enough, what, what my wife has found over and over is the weaker in my life, the weaker that we are. It's typically in those times that if we will allow ourselves to be used by God, which is a big if, He will make us stronger. If we wallow in our weakness and have a little pity party for ourselves, I can assure you God will let you wallow in your pity party. But if you say, God, I'm a little weak today. God, I need your strength so that I don't say something that's offensive to somebody else. God, I need your strength to get over this anger. God, I need your strength to be a blessing to somebody. God, I need your strength to be the light that you really want me to be. Oh, I believe that God will answer your prayer. But you have to be willing to be used by God in that way. Think about it. God the Father, I put this down. God the Father did the very same thing with his son Jesus Christ. You say, whoa, what do you mean? Well, look at this screen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice, I'm just going to look at one verse. I could go to many. But notice what takes place in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For he, the Father, made him, the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin. <laughs> that we, believers, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, whatever we're facing today, I know that from Matthew 19 verse 26... Jesus said that with God all things are possible. It was referenced but not mentioned this morning earlier. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Our Bible reminds us that God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That power is Jesus Christ. Oh, when I am weak I am strong because of Christ living in me. I think of Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith, the Faith Hall of Fame, it recalls the truth that believers from days gone by, through their faith, the Bible says they subdued kingdoms, they wrought righteousness, they obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, what does it say? Out of weakness were made strong. Oh, they waxed valiant in fight, turned the flight, the armies of the aliens. Oh, the same is possible for us today. God wants to work in and through our lives. When we are weak, He can be made strong if we'll just allow Him to be. And then lastly, I want to re remind you, and you almost said the exact words, Kevin, in your message this morning. As he concluded his message this morning, I want to remind you that in the midst of these times when God says no, we need to serve God no matter what. Serve God. No matter what, the Apostle Paul said in verse 9 and following, he said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, Paul's infirmity gave the Lord Jesus Christ the opportunity to prove himself 
once again through Paul's life. Do you know that this little leg affliction that I have is but for a moment? But if I will call upon the name of the Lord and I will submit myself to the Lord, He will use it to show people that even in my weakness, He can make me strong. He can get the glory. He can receive the praise. He can receive all the honor and glory from it. I challenge each of us, no matter what situation you find yourselves in this morning, to live a life of serving God. I pray today that no matter what you're facing, that you would make a decision to let Christ have the preeminence in your thoughts, in your words, and in your deeds. When God says no, we can remember trials are gifts. We can also remember what God has already said. We can remember, keep on praying. God's not finished with us. We need to be on our knees, but we also need to have our ears open and attentive to what the Lord says so that we can listen for the answer. We need to trust in His power to work. And then we need to keep serving Him. You know, I think of our Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed some magnificent prayers. I remember in Luke chapter 22, when our Lord finished His prayer like this, if you guys can show that verse on the screen, He said this, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from Me. He was talking about God's full cup of wrath. He said, God, remove it from Me. I don't want to bear that. I don't want to deal with that. Would you remove it? But the Father had a greater purpose through the Son. It was that his son might redeem the likes of you and me. And so the father said, I cannot do that. But notice what Jesus said even before the father answers. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know that familiar passage of scripture from Proverbs chapter 3. The Bible reminds us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lead not unto thy own, own understanding. The Bible tells us to, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct thy paths. I want to encourage you. God may have been saying no to you recently. He may have been saying wait. He may have not given the answer yet. I want to encourage you. He wants you to keep praying. He wants you to understand that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. Oh yes, we still have the ability to be more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.